Welcome to another episode of the Digital Built Australia podcast, the podcast that unpacks the ways in which digital technologies and data insights can shape a highly productive and sustainable built environment. My name is Adam Beck, and along with my co-host, Gavin Cottrell, we'll use this podcast to share insights about the places, spaces, and assets that we shape, and the policymakers, practitioners, and researchers and innovators behind the work. So let's get to it. Welcome back, friends, to the Digital Built Australia podcast. In this episode, we speak to a very special guest, Alexandra Bolton, who up until recently was the Executive Director for the Centre for Digital Built Britain, or also known as the CDBB. At the CDBB, Alexandra worked across many programs, including the National Digital Twin Program and also the Construction Innovation Hub. Those programs, their core goal to advance the digital transformation of the built environment and Alexandra's mission and goal and aspirations in that work has always been to improve the quality of life for our city's residents and citizens and businesses through improving social, economic and environmental outcomes. Alexandra has had a varied career. She's worked in industry, the city, before she joined the University of Cambridge in 2014. Here's what she had to say when we caught up recently. Alexandra, can you share with our listeners a little bit around the why, what, and how, and when of all things Centre for Digital Built Britain? Absolutely, Adam, and, and thanks for having me here today. So CDBB, the Centre for Digital Built Britain, was set up in 2017 as a partnership between the UK's Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy and the University of Cambridge. And its mission was to transform the built environment through digitalization, but with the explicit purpose of making life better for people and for a long sustainability uh, agenda so that life is better for people and the planet. And we picked up the UK BIM program that had been running for many years within, within government before the UK BIM task group, and then expanded from that. So in 2017, our National Infrastructure Commission published a paper called Data for the Public Good, which set out what a national digital twin program would look like for the UK. And CDBB was tasked with convening that program and making it happen. Wind the clock forward to uh, 2022, where CDBB is completing its mission, having created what I believe is a, a really successful national digital twin program, looking at how do we connect digital twins what needs to happen for that to work and one of the things that we found very quickly is that it's not just a technical program it's a socio-technical program and all those people aspects whether you're talking about privacy or legals or how you need to change the way you work they are vital to get any form of digital twin or connected digital twin to work so as i say the program it has completed its mission and various aspects of it have gone on in different homes and we're excited to see what happens next. Indeed. Let me come back with some more pointed questions about the program, in particular mm -hmm. partnerships. And I suppose I firstly asked the question, how was it being hosted by an academic institution, being Cambridge University? It was great. The university was a, a really good host. Some fantastic academic research has been done at CDBB. 
um, across a, the wide range of disciplines that you'd expect in a digitalization agenda from social sciences through to sort of very technical maths. And having that as uh, a foundation behind the work that we were doing meant that there was always something coming down the pipeline, something new to pass on to industry. And there was also the work which is different for, um, from the way you would normally expect uh, a university group to work of the adoption as supporting industry to pick up BIM standard, for example, um, and to think about how, how do they collaborate. So it was, a, it was an innovative um, placing of a centre, but one that I think worked really well. And it didn't stop there. You had multiple leaders from industry stewarding certain programs and helping shape strategically and technically the agenda. How, how was that? What would you share in terms of the success or otherwise of such a, I suppose, partner-driven program? So it is all about partnership. It's all about working with groups. It's not about a command and control type organization. It was very much about connecting, coordinating, convening, about using the the convening power of, of the centre to bring people together to find out what their views were, how things work in their piece of the, the industry. Um, and when I say industry, I mean incredibly broad. Having bona fide industry experts leading various bits of the programme has been fantastic because we, we as a programme, um, and, and I'm thinking much broader than just CDBB, we gain from their expertise, you know, they're together, you know, many, many decades of experience within the industry brought into one place to discuss what we do next. It wouldn't have worked without them. It was very much, uh, as I say, holding with open arms, everybody's welcome, connect and coordinate um, program. Alexandra, from afar where I sit and many others in our digital twin community back here in Australia and New Zealand, we were at times you know, in awe of how you were able to have somewhat of a government-led funded program with multi-stakeholder engagement, one initiative after another coming through the pipeline. We were very envious. In, in some ways, I'd say we kind of had a crush on what the CDBB was doing. What would you pull out as those real highlights around success when you look back what are the most fond moments so i guess the first really exciting output would be the gemini principles so bringing together that almost that consciousness of, of digital twins and how you connect them what things do you need to think about you know they must have purpose trust and function all of which once it's written down it, it's very obvious but working with industry to pull that together was uh, fantastic. Working on the vision for the built environment, we've historically thought about the built environment as a series of projects which aren't necessarily connected. We think about our building or our road, but actually stepping back with 75 industry leaders and saying, well, you know, what is this thing? What's, what's it for? Nobody had done that before. And to come out with actually the explicit purpose of the built environment is to allow people and nature to flourish together for generations that suddenly changes how you think about those individual projects that you're doing, that it's part of a much, much bigger thing. And then at the end, the, the Gemini papers, which pulls together all our thinking across all the programs we've done from the, the UK BIM program through to the National Digital Twin program, 
what things do we need to pass on to the people who come after us in this space? What have we learned that we would really like them to know? And some of those will stand the test of time and, and some will not and people will find better ways of doing things. But pulling that together and handing that over, handing that baton on was a bit of a bittersweet moment because when, you, when you're finishing something, there's always that sadness of finishing something, but the joy of finishing something really well. I wanted to ask you about BIM and digital twin for a moment. And I'm talking strategically about language and definitions. The BIM task force and that early work and that evolution to eventually get to the point where CDB becomes comes into existence. Can you share any views around understanding within industry? You know, sometimes uh, language and narrative and words can be barriers. They're very powerful. And BIM has been around for a long time, decades. GIS has been around forever as well. Was there ever a sense that Digital Twin was the new kid on the block and it waltzed into the room and said, hey, I'm now here and I'm shinier and better? Are there any observations from that that you'd share? I would hope that, you know, if you look at the definition of a digital twin or how I would define a digital twin, things like GIS, things like BIM, they're not different and separate from a digital twin. BIM provides some of the data that you that you would want in your digital twin of a built asset. Um, GIS also. So it's part of a bigger picture. And digital twins like BIM, it's a tool. It won't solve everything. It will help you make better decisions more quickly but digital twins themselves are even more powerful if you connect them up together and they can be even more powerful if you integrate them with artificial intelligence and machine learning so all, all these it's not one single I was going to say technology but they're not all technology some are processes there's obviously the socio side that I was talking about it's not one single thing that has the answer it's a suite of tools that sit together we in the UK have started talking more broadly about a cyber physical infrastructure which also includes things like smart machines and robotics and digital twins are connected digital twins and BIM and GIS are part of this much bigger picture on terminology understanding we know that standards can play a crucial role in helping enable action and catalyzing investment. I'm extremely envious that BSI plays a critical role in life over in the UK. And we saw what I've been told as, you know, one of the new, fresh, uh, emerging ways of standard development being, you know, agile and flex kind of standards. And Having BSI there as a partner and collaborator, I can only imagine was was such a powerful opportunity and having them come on the journey with you, no doubt was a, was a good one. What can you tell us about the standards part of the work that CDBB was doing? Actually, it's sort of on many levels. We were lucky enough when we came into existence that a lot of the work on the 1192 suite had been done already. Um, there was a there was some more to finish it off, and there um, is a UK BIM framework which helps people adopt and use that. Um, what was then the 1192 suite, but there's also the work that's done at you know internationally at ISO level. So the ISO 19650, having that international standard, that high level agreed um, globally, was really useful 
it means that borders from a standards perspective don't matter. We all work into the same standards and that that's vital with something like BIM or like digital twins where you know, a pipeline can start in one country and go through three others and finish somewhere else. You need to make sure that you've got some consistency of standards. But you're right, we were really lucky to have to have BSI work alongside us and, and working on this, this new way of creating standards more quickly of agile standards um, and codifying that way has been, you know, really interesting to see that happen. And it'd be great to see how that develops further and that methodology develops further. But there's also the standards that aren't formalized with industry agreeing, we took, you were talking earlier about language. How, how do we express things? It's really important to have that understanding that when someone's talking about a digital twin, not we've nailed it down exactly, because in my view, you can't do that. It has to be quite a broad church, but that people know what you're talking about and that everybody has that same understanding so that you can have conversations and there isn't the possible difficulties that will happen if there is a misunderstanding of, of terminology. So standards in a, in a non-formal sense are very important too. Absolutely. Alexandra, last question. And I want to turn your mind to what's next and the future and going forward. You've had a little bit of time to kind of decompress and reflect and you're doing other things partially now. What would you describe? What would you share with us in terms of sort of what's next around broadly this agenda of digital transformation in the built environment, but for other nations and those that are listening, what sort of reflections would you share to empower us to go on similar journeys? So firstly, I've been so excited to see other nations doing similar things, um, things that the UK has learned from and things that the UK has input to over the last five years. It's, it's been very much a group journey rather than just one that's happened within the UK. I would offer um, from our working the Gemini papers, which are our blueprint for the future. We've written down everything we had in our heads, everything we've learned and said, you know, here it is in one place. Please use it and please adapt, adapt it for what you need in your particular situation because it's not a one-size-fits-all. And I would say to remember that it's not all about technical, it's a socio-technical change program and that, that means thinking about those difficult human factors that sometimes as engineers we forget. And to what we call the three C's, so to connect, to convene and coordinate to make this happen. It's not about setting something down in stone and telling everybody just to work to it. It's about having those conversations. And it's when we collaborate together within our regions, within our countries and globally that we can really make this happen. That's an awesome note to end on, Alexandra. Thank you so much for joining us on the Digital Build Australia podcast it's been a delight to have you you're going to be coming out to australia soon in september so yep, we're i am looking forward to it very much looking forward to seeing you in person but for now thanks so much for joining us on the podcast thanks adam it's been a pleasure well we hope you like this episode of the digital built australia podcast remember if you're not subscribing you can do so head to your favorite podcast platform or you can also go to our website, www.digitalbuiltaustralia.com.